Coming to you from KFAI Studio in Minneapolis, this is the Miniculture Podcast. I'm your host, Jamonde Tway, and here on the Miniculture Podcast, we listen to the best of arts and culture and history stories from all over the state. This new radio station that was interested in hearing from gay people and single moms and you know people who were not part of the mainstream. Gay and lesbian artists weren't exactly being sold at the big record stores. There can't be enough letters as far as I'm concerned. We just need to be inclusive of absolutely everybody. Now, KFI is a community radio station in the heart of Cedar Riverside. Today's episode is about one program that's been on this station since the very start. Tune in to Fresh Fruit, the longest-running queer radio show in the country. Serving the LGBTQ community and friends. Bringing you the best in all queer issues. Every Thursday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Right here on KFAI, radio without boundaries. For 41 years, this show has been running on KFAI. Producer Dixie Trico spent about a year tracking down a ton of hosts, researching, making calls all over the country. She pieced together the history of fresh fruit in honor of its 35th anniversary. We're going to talk to Dixie a bit later in the episode. But for now, let's go back to the late 1970s when a small group of people had a crazy idea to start a community radio station and to put shows on that featured people who didn't have a voice in mainstream media. Here's a bit from Dixie Trichel's 35 Years of Fresh Fruit. In those early days in the 70s, KFAI was using Fresh Air Radio as their slogan. And then we were sitting around thinking about a name, and, well, it's Fresh Air, let's be Fresh Fruit. Our radio show was approved as a radio show before KFAI went on the air. Maya and I were at meetings at the old church where they were discussing, you know, what shows, who can we get? Fresh Fruit was one of the original programs. There were some really eclectic programs. Brain is a Purple Mountain, some of the oddest poetry, Mandy's Varieties, a Native American Hour, five days a week, Women's Program, five days a week, the We Want You to Know program, and of course we had Fresh Fruit. I can tell you the very first song that we opened the program with, our very first program, was Leaping Lesbians from the album Lesbian Concentrate. Here come the lesbians, here come the leaping lesbians. Gay liberation was in full swing in the 1970s, although by then there was some gay and lesbian media, mostly in the form of newspapers, the idea of a gay and lesbian radio show was uncommon. KFAI Fresh Air Radio started planning a community radio station in 1973. It was located at the Walker Community Church in South Minneapolis and went on air on May 1, 1978. Starting in 1977, a group called the Fresh Fruit Collective created the first gay and lesbian radio show at KFAI. It aired as Fresh Fruit on Thursday, May 11, 1978. Jeremy Nichols. I got elected to the first elected board in December of 73 and uh, stayed with the station ever since. We had been opposed by what was then Minnesota Educational Radio, now Minnesota Public Radio, and there was a lot of filing technical papers, filing legal papers, waiting, 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 getting something back, responding to it. But finally, in 1977, we were given the go-ahead to build a radio station. 
And then we had to find people to do it. Debbie Schroyer was on our board also at the time and was key to getting us in touch with the Powderhorn Community Council and Walker Church and Brian Peterson. They kind of took the ball and built a staff of people to build a radio station, which then we put on the air on May 1st, May Day of 1978. My name is Ted Sago, and I got involved with Fresh Fruit in 1977, a group of people, including myself, who had moved into and formed a queer hippie commune in Minneapolis, decided we needed a project. Mark Matheson, and I was known as Maya back then. Ted, it was, I think, heard that a radio station was starting up called Fresh Air, and they wanted programs to volunteer. We started coming up with ideas and thinking about it, and they bent over backwards to give us the radio experience that none of us had and give us books and give us training and get us helped out. They weren't just supportive. They were really excited by the idea. My name is Richard McDougall. I was living in Minneapolis, working as diligently as I could in gay liberation. I went by the name Shannon at the time. There was a lot of political activity around the Anita Bryant group coming to St. Paul. It's about banning rights for gay people. And the city became very mobilized. The five of us who lived in the house that we ended up calling the Fresh Food House all came from a background of activism. And so we sort of jumped in. About the same time, it was announced that KFAI was going to open. There was outreach to people in the co-op communities, the activist community. We started collecting media. There was the Gay Community News in Boston a newspaper out of Philadelphia and a newspaper out of Washington that we were familiar with. We would collect the news and all the events from those newspapers, and we started a library, a very impressive library, actually. Kirk, who is no longer with us, was a librarian, so we had a very methodical way of looking up information. We did have other people involved to various sense. There was one woman whose name I just cannot remember. I've been trying, but she was the one lesbian member of our collective. A man named Barney also got involved with the collective. When they had this big rally, me and Barney and Shannon, we decided we were going to cover it as intrepid journalists and went into the Anita Bryant rally. The big phrases are homosexualism you know, like Nazism or something like that, but homosexuality was an ism. And all these blonde people would be standing up and screaming in unison, down with homosexualism, death to homosexualism. I mean, just chanting this over and over again. A new Minneapolis had been born. We talked about that on the air. There was sort of a new movement. The gay community banded together. It was a very exciting time. I wish I had better words to describe it. The gay male and lesbian populations had very much been separate prior to this. And that, I think that was true throughout the country. But after all of this took place, all of a sudden there was a lot more interaction between the men and the women, and that was good. But that was going on all that time. And meanwhile, we're waiting for this show to happen all through the winter and spring. So we're collecting our thing. People are doing interviews. But gay media was so important. Any support that we could get, where did we fit in as people who've been never mentioned except for as some sort of shameful disease that you don't want in your house? It was really a lot of people like me, people who were not in radio, trying to figure out how to do this, how to leverage this new radio station that was interested in hearing from 
people on the left and gay people and single moms and you know people who were not part of the mainstream. It was incredibly chaotic. It was incredibly crazy. We had a wonderful time doing it, but the very first program was just insane. We didn't have any guests. It was mostly us talking. Uh, we'd play a song at the beginning, and then we'd talk about some issues or announce some events and uh, play another song, and then we'd wrap up. It was a very, very simple, very pedestrian format. We didn't really know what we were doing, and it's shocking to me that 35 years later, it's still going. Plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she, she says... Within a few months after the first broadcast, the original Fresh Fruit Collective dissolved. Ted finished the year, and Fresh Fruit continued with new hosts. The first and second March on Washington for LGBT rights occurred, the 1980s ushered in the AIDS epidemic, and KFAI moved in 1986 to above Butler Drug at the corner of Lake and Bloomington in Minneapolis. You're tuned to Fresh Fruit on KFAI, Good Gay Radio, every Thursday night from 6.30 to 7.30, right here. I'm Gary Peterson. Thank you for joining us. We'll have the Fresh Fruit news for you at 7 o'clock. Community announcements and music in the second half hour. Steve Levine is here, Fresh Fruit Culture Vulture, to share some uh, thoughts with you. But first, uh, in this half hour, here's Claude Peck and our guest this week. I'm Claude Peck. In the summer of 1978, just through some friends, I heard about something called the Fresh Food Collective. I had just graduated from college at McAllister, and I was just starting kind of my post-college life. I knew I wanted to stay in the Twin Cities, so I, I checked in with this Fresh Food Collective. I went to one or two of their meetings, and I became involved just working with the collective and contributing, uh, you know, doing some news and, and helping with research. And pretty soon they all left, and then I had the show. 78 to 92 were my years. I was sort of the one person that was continuous for that 14 years, but during that time, I had two principal co-hosts who each had very long tenures. There was first Marge Schneider. My name is Marge Schneider. I am blind. And back then, there were people in the blind community in the Twin Cities that I knew of who had some connection there. So I started hearing about beginnings of this community radio station really in the mid-70s. And then there was Gary Peterson. I'm Gary Peterson. I started with KFAI in January of 1985. Almost every city of any size in the U.S. had a gay paper back then, but relatively few had a gay radio program. For a city the size of Minneapolis and St. Paul to have gay radio in that era was relatively uncommon, especially on a weekly basis. We would run around town and hand off the uh, newspapers to each other so we could go through them and summarize uh, the news that was happening. And then I would get calls sometimes in the middle of the night from people telling me about things going on all over town and police actions in the middle of the night or another mugging happened in Loring Park and uh, we ought to get out there and cover it. AIDS emerged during those years. You know, I can remember some of those stories when it was really unclear about what this was that was going on. A lot of our news was about AIDS and we did a lot of interviews with people who were experts on AIDS. Back then, every new drug discovery, every new ACT UP protest, we would be interviewing doctors and epidemiologists, people from the Minnesota AIDS Project and other local groups who were working on different AIDS issues issues, whether it was housing or medicine or support or uh, lobbying or politics. But the other thing about the 80s that was very uh, uplifting that was going on at the same time in CounterPoint was the community was coming out. It was like we had a new organization every week. 
We would quite often do one cut of women's music and then an, another cut of a gay artist alternating. It was always exciting when a new album would come out because there wasn't that much. 33 and a third inch vinyl records, and I was buying them up. I was always record shopping three and four records a week, and it kind of was a budget buster, but I didn't have much options. Um, and I would look for records whenever I was traveling or wherever I was because gay and lesbian artists weren't exactly being sold at the big record stores. Doing the Fresh Fruit show was, for me, a big formative part of my coming out and doing the show just pushed me further out of the closet, which I think was all to the good, and just being involved with the gay community. There is no substitute to the power of knowing someone who is gay or lesbian that you know and uh, hearing their stories and their experience. You don't have to agree with it, but it gives you a whole different perspective. It takes away the us and them. After 41 years, Fresh Fruit is still running strong. They're still pushing that conversation. They're still breaking out that barrier between us versus them. We're also going to have more from that documentary produced by Dixie Trichel. Dixie joined Fresh Fruit in 1998, becoming one of the many hosts of that program. She's on once a month. She's also in studio here with me. Hey, Dixie. Hey, how's it going? Ah, it's going good. It's good to finally uh, see your face in person. Yeah, you too. <laughs> it must have been fascinating talking to all these people. And I'm really just impressed by how people were passing around newspapers, trying to get the information out there for the community. They really felt that it was doing this service to the community because in those days, it was very rare to have an LGBT radio show. I mean, I think there were like five in the country at the time. And which was something new for a city like this, where you not only had uh, a newspaper, um, but also you had a radio delivery for LGBTQ community uh, content. Yeah, it was a way for everybody to get up there and get their voice out. It wasn't like you had to wait till somebody wrote an article. And then a lot of times it was straight washed. And, you know, it, it didn't really represent the community. You can say things on Fresh Fruit that you're just not going to hear on a regular radio show. It's the way for all of us, I think. You spent about a year researching, going deep to get as much information as you can. So what was like the common theme that you saw? What did you take away from all that information? I think the history of Fresh Fruit is that there's always people stepping in, you know, who are willing to carry the story on and serve the community. All right, let's see here. You've got music. You've got arts. you got the fight to legalize gay marriage. Why don't you take us on a tour of the 90s? The, there's the March on Washington. Okay. So people are all uproared about that, and that kind of brings the LGBT community together. Then in the early 90s, too, that's when, like, the trans community was kind of being embraced as well, right? They were starting to have more visibility. Okay. Uh, one of the hosts that came in, actually, in the 80s was Deborah Davis, who's trans, openly trans host, and uh, Debbie was here for, I think, into the early 2000s. Um, and Deborah was very vocal in the community. Uh, she had been a media specialist in one of the high schools and came out as trans during her work in the high school, and that was a big deal at the time. Did she and keep her job, or what happened? She kept her job. Everybody loved her. Uh, they did some big write-ups about her in the magazines, and Debbie talked about that on Fresh Fruit, but you know, she also brought a new fresh voice about the trans community to the Fresh Fruit Collective. 
Here's how you tell it in the documentary. I'm Deborah Davis. I go by Debbie. I started hosting Fresh Fruit back in the uh, early 90s, uh, working with Rob. I became an activist uh, representing the transgender community in any way that I possibly could. And Fresh Fruit Radio was one of our ways to talk with folks and tell people about what we were doing and what was happening within the community. And back in the early 90s, the transgender community was kind of the lost child of the elderly. LGBT community. It was considered the gay and lesbian community, and then we added the T and the B uh, after quite a few years, and now it's all over the country. We added a few other letters. There can't be enough letters as far as I'm concerned. We just need to be inclusive of absolutely everybody. Am I politically correct today? Yes, you are politically correct today because you're tuned to the Fresh Fruit Gay Radio on listener-supported Fresh Air, the community's voice for information, entertainment, and the arts. KFAI 90.3 FM, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Fresh Fruit transformed once again in the early 1990s. New hosts became involved and some spun off, creating a late-night queer show called Forbidden Fruit. KFAI moved once again to the Bailey Building on the West Bank in Minneapolis. I'm John Kalaki. Well, I was really interested in listening to the radio because I wasn't sure what you would all talk about for an hour from a gay and lesbian perspective. This was a, you know, a well-meaning liberal person who thought, well, whatever could they, could they think about? And I thought, well, that's why this was important, that it was able to allow people in to both find community and to, to hear our realities uh, spoken about, but allowed others an insight into the queer community that they may not have otherwise. Oh my gosh, it was a lot of fun. I'm Eleanor Savage. In 93 was the big march on Washington. So there was a lot of political activity in the community. I tried to get people in to talk about all of that. The Lesbian Avengers group was starting. So tried to track that as well as uh, the activities of ACT UP. It also was a time when I was there in 92 before the, the AIDS crisis was at a very different part. People were mostly dying. And so it was also a place that the community come together and share and kind of elegiac moments about what they lost and there were many prominent people in the Twin Cities community that did die of AIDS during that time and so we could kind of memorialize them. I think an essential thing for a community to celebrate them. You know, we could be playful, joking, we could be serious, we could be rageful and all of that was allowed at the station, which is amazing. This is Kim Hines. When you are part of the other in a dominant culture, any amount of time that you get in the spotlight, and that's whether it's on stage or in TV, film, radio, in a newspaper, you have to make good use of that. As a black female lesbian, that's three notches that I'm always aware of. If I choose to talk about any of those three identities, it can't be the silliness of it. You almost have to guide the dominant culture to see what they don't see and to get them to think way outside of what they were always taught. And that's a very, very hard, difficult thing to do. So you got to make real good use of that time. And that's one of the things I learned about working on fresh fruit. Dixie, what are some of your uh, your favorite moments in studio? Different people we've interviewed. Well, I'll tell you one is we interviewed Lily Tomlin. 
And that has to be one of our classic moments because, you know, Lily is just hilarious. She was in town doing a benefit for Rainbow Families and doing a performance at Orchestra Hall. And that was my first really big interview. And I got a message from Orchestra Hall saying, would you like to interview Lily Tomlin? And I was like, "Uh, of course I would. But I was so nervous that I invited all the other Fresh Fruit hosts to come on with me that night. It turned out to be so much fun. I mean, she was just really delightful and also shared a lot of queer moments with us. The interviewer says to me, uh, Lily, uh, in your recent movie, what was it like playing a heterosexual woman? <laughs> you know, and then I, and I say, well, I've seen these women all my life. I know how they walk. I know how they talk. <laughs> and I just did that kind of a flip on it. You know, and I thought, well, that'll be, that'll be my answer to Time Magazine, you know. What she talked with us about on Fresh Fruit is not what you're going to hear her talk about on NPR. Over the decades, Fresh Fruit has always adjusted to include more voices There was one host that was uh, interviewed, and he felt that this program wasn't going to last. Why do you think it did? Why do you think it took root and is here today? Well, I think it's here today because there's a need for it. I mean, in all the media, you hear stories about the LGBT community, but it is so often told by straight people or um, sometimes LGBT people but they don't necessarily want to get down into the nitty-gritty. And so when you have a station like KFAI and a show like Fresh Fruit, we can get down into that. We don't have as many restrictions on this station as a commercial station would have. Uh, We don't have to say things just to please listeners or, I mean, we do, but I mean specifically what they're going to think about what we say or how we approach it. And I think that that's, that's super important for any minority or any marginalized person in any way is to be able to speak your truth to power, as they say. Queer radio is important because it gets to the heart of queer issues. To connect via airwaves with other gay people. And I just think that that's really significant. Fresh Fruit has kept its finger on the pulse of the changes of the time. Fresh Fruit, the longest-running queer radio show in the country, has been live on KFAI since 1978. Dixie Trico produced 35 years of Fresh Fruit for Many Culture. Fresh Fruit just hit 41 years, and they're still going strong. You can catch the show every Thursday from 7 to 8 on KFAI. And you can catch the Miniculture Podcast on all platforms you listen to. The Miniculture Podcast was produced by Emily Bright, Todd Melby, Sophie Nikitas, and Nancy Rosenbaum. Our music comes to us from Javier Santiago. I know you liked what you heard, so why don't you spread the word, share the love. I'm your host, Jamonde Tway. Till next time. <laughs>